Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. Hey, Paul, what's new, man? What's up, man? Oh, my gosh. It's super hot out down here. It's July. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's just the humidity. Like, we were packing up for for the lake trip over the weekend, and it was... It was like 90 degrees and the humidity was 70 something percent. I was like, that's brutal. Do you ever wonder how like the founding fathers dealt with this? I mean, that's kind of where, yeah, but you're living in that part of the country where they were all there for, you know, doing what they did and God, no air conditioning, no. And they had to wear that heavy cotton clothing all the way up, you know, buttoned around their neck. Yeah. yeah, George Washington's place is about 15 minutes from here, and uh, it's beautiful. I mean, he had a beautiful spread, no question. But yeah, you're right. It's There's bugs, and it's hot and humid. And Yeah, I think yeah. Tammy and I talk about this all the time. Like, everyone just smelled. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it was nasty. Like, disgusting. So, I, I can understand why people might have settled in Minnesota. It's because they got here during the summertime, <laughs> and uh, they were they already had roots in the ground before uh, winter hit. So they're like, oh, I guess we'll just stay. Yeah. Uh, it can't be that bad. Uh, it is, it is it that is. bad. So yeah. Yeah. But summer's okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, all right. Hey, I think we'll do what we said we would do last episode and start this episode with a common question. And this may turn into, you know, be, it might be half the episode. I don't know. We'll see how far we get with it. But I think it's something that people really want to know more about because it's such a common question that we receive from uh, from people who are just learning about this to people who have been studying this for a while and are ready. So, for example, I had a client today who's, who's actually going to be a client next week when the contract is signed and, and he puts his policy in force. But we're you know at the final piece of the puzzle, putting that in play and and. He, he has this question and it's a valid question. So the question that comes up in one way or another is how is it better for me to take a loan for a purchase instead of just using cash? Because what people are getting at really is, hey, when I take a loan now, yeah, I've made that purchase, but now I owe that money back and I'm paying interest on it. So Remind me how, again, is that better than just saving up paying cash and not having any debt or any interest owed to anybody? So we, we'll both tackle this one, but why don't you start us off with you know, how you typically explain the answer to people? Yeah. So to qualify it, we're talking about a life insurance policy loan, right, Dave? Yeah. Good point. Correct. Yeah. So, so they would be correct if you're like, Hey, I want to have, you know, pay for my daughter's wedding and go take a loan out, you know, at a conventional bank. Well, yes, like it might be a better situation than that, you know, to to pay cash, right? Maybe or find something more productive for that cash to do and then make payments, you know, use that to, you know, create some cash flow that can then pay off that loan. But for a life insurance policy loan, the reason it's advantageous to use this this line of credit feature that the life insurance companies um have written into your contract is that you the money that's in your policy is never touched 
meaning it never stops growing, it never stops earning interest, never, you know, it's providing that death benefit, right? Protection that you can't, you can't undercut that. Yeah, you can't overlook it. You can't overlook it. You have the creditor protection. You have all these attributes that we've discussed in other things, but that that real advantage is that uninterrupted compounding of that money forever. Um, it's what so from the policy loan perspective, it is it is a clear advantage because you are addressing opportunity cost. You obviously had that cash flow to save up for that that expense, whether it's the wedding or a car, it doesn't matter what the expense is. That cash flow now can be used to replenish, you know, the policy that you know put the put the cash value back to where you know the full loanable amount um, for the policy is. So that's right. that's why that's that's the biggest reason for me is the opportunity cost. Okay, good, and that's that's exactly the reason is opportunity cost. Um, so I had this conversation today with uh, a client, and his question was, "Hey, I'm saving up." money every month. I put money away because five years from now, I want to have enough money to go on a 15 year uh, wedding anniversary trip. So let's, I don't know how much per month, let's call it a hundred bucks a month. So a hundred bucks a month is going into a segregated savings account at his bank. And it just says um, wedding anniversary, right? So in five years from now, he'll have say, call it you know, $6,000 saved up for that trip. And then he could just take that six grand and go spend it, you know, guilt-free, no debt, doesn't owe it back to anybody whatsoever. So he's grappling with the idea of why is why would I save it inside this in my policy and then take a loan against that to, to make that happen five years from now? Because now I have to pay it back. So there, there's a couple things that I brought up that I think are are important for everybody to, to think about. One. One of the principles that we we utilize is your money has to reside somewhere, right? Yep. It's got to sit somewhere. So if you just zoom out and stop looking at all the details for a second, zoom out and think, is it better for my money to sit in somebody else's bank or to sit in a bank of my own that I own and that I control? So that's an easy answer. Uh, then you get into more of the details. But another thing that, that came to mind was a lot of us we're ingrained and we're, we're raised with this piggy bank mentality of, hey, I got my piggy bank here. I'm gonna deposit my quarters in it every day until it's full and then I'm gonna open it up, spend that money, that money's gone forever. And then I'll just start filling it up again and start- yep, The classic sinking fund method. Right, just start, start back over from scratch. Now there's benefits, you're not paying interest to anybody right? It's debt free. There's maybe a peace of mind there because you know, you don't owe anybody anything and uh, it's not affecting your, your monthly finances. You get to go spend that money and then do whatever you want with it. Uh, there's no credit check. There's no fees, nothing like that, right? Some disadvantages though, is that once you take the money out of that piggy bank and go spend it, it's gone forever. And that goes back to exactly what you just said is opportunity cost. So, That's right. I, I just told him, we got to stop thinking like a piggy bank owner and start thinking like an actual bank owner, where the difference is, we just talked about how a piggy bank owner does that. But if you're running an actual bank, then you're going to save up, you're going to leverage that capital for the use of somebody else's capital, 
you're going to spend it wisely, right? You're not going to use it to go buy a flat screen TV, designer clothes, um, a Dodge Hellcat, whatever it may be. I'm kidding. That was a good purchase. It's an excellent purchase. Yeah. Parkinson's um, law got me, but not, <laughs> but not really, but not really. Right. Um, and then, and then you repay that capital that you leveraged over time. But the difference is the entire time you're saving, you're utilizing, and you're repaying that money, your original capital is earning for you uninterrupted on the entire amount. So, and you never lose the ability to do that on that capital by just giving it away and paying cash. Yeah. And I, I want to clarify just some, I want to wrap up everything you just said real quick. So what Dave's saying and what, what we just covered is when you take a policy loan, you are not taking money from your policy. You are basically, you are collateralizing, really you're collateralizing the death benefit. You have a loanable amount available, right? In your, in your, in your cash value, right? but you're collateralizing your death benefit, right? and getting a policy loan. Your money is still chugging along over here on the side and you're using the life insurance company's money to do whatever it is that money needs to go do. So that is why you address the opportunity cost and you still get to do the thing that you wanted to do, whether it's the wedding, the, the anniversary trip or whatever. So that's yeah. why it's advantageous to do it just like that. And that's for some reason, Dave, I don't, and I don't know why that's, it can be difficult for people to understand that, but we don't balk at borrowing money for a bank to buy a car, a house, uh, student loans. We don't, we don't bat an eye about it. Right. Just, okay. You know, we do it. Right. Yeah. It, it's just such a foreign concept, but that's why the loans you take shouldn't be treated like, Hey, this is just my savings. I'm going to use it for whatever I want without any intention of ever That's paying right. it back. These loans need to be for a responsible purpose and they need to be manageable. So, and you have to have a plan to pay it back. So in, until you are in your retirement years, like those passive income years, right? Where maybe your plan and your policy has been built to the point that you can start taking out 30, 40, 50, $60,000 a year tax-free with no intention of ever paying it back because that's that's what you can use it for at that point and still right. we can illustrate it to make sure that you never run out of money you can live to 100 years old never run out of money and still leave a death benefit that's right so but up until that point like the whole the whole purpose of this is is to finance the things of life and at the age we're at right now like life is busy there's tons of expenses Kids are still living in the house. Like you need access to capital to finance your life. So you take those loans responsibly, maybe for that, that new car, because you got to have a car. Like that's a necessity. Maybe the, the daughter's wedding or that 15 year anniversary trip with your wife. You got to keep the home fires burning, right? Yep. So that's a responsible purchase, but then have a plan to pay it back. So if you're putting $100 a month away to save up for that anyway, you're already you've already developed the, the discipline and the habit of putting $100 away. Well, just continue that. You don't have to stop doing that once you've spent the money that that was set aside for. You just keep doing it and, uh, and are able to continue to pay those back. That's right. So sometimes people get confused because they're like, well, I'm paying premium and then I take a loan out. Like, how do I pay back the loan? I was like, well, we always have to account for two cash flows, right? We have our premium, which we've designed based on 
you know, your personal situation, right? Your personal financial situation will drive what that premium is going to look like. But we have other cash flows that we consider, like our vacation fund, our tithe, our our next car payment. Maybe we had a, a $600 a month car payment that we just paid off. That $600 a month needs to be accounted for in some fashion, right? Is it premium? Is it future policy loan repayment? What is it doing, right? Um, so that's that's really the mechanics of how it would work, everybody. Yep, that's good. And that's why I always tell people your premium needs to be manageable. I think that's great. I like that there needs to be two cash flows. Is that how you said that? Or there, two cash flows? Yeah. There's yeah. a there's a premium cash flow, which is hey, we've designed this. This is my premium. Okay, got it. Yeah. But then, oh, I'm gonna have this car paid off in a couple in a year, and that's gonna free up eight hundred dollars a month or something. And exactly, where does that money go? Um, maybe you take right. a policy loan out to finance the next car, and that eight hundred dollars a month repays. You know who who knows. Right. And, and that's a perfect example of, hey, where's this money going to come from in the future to repay any loans I take in the future? Well, one could be, yeah, what what debt are you paying off right now that's going to be eliminated in the in the near future, the next one, two, three yep. years that's going to free up cash flow that you can use to repay a loan? Um, what about a, a rise in income? Do you expect to make more or less money five years from now? Like it should more. be more. You should be always expect to make more money five years from now than you do now. So now you're going to have more income and you're going to need somewhere to to uh, save that money or somewhere for that money to sit. It needs to reside somewhere. Again, back to that principle. Um, That's right. Or here's you know just a quick story. I remember um, the story was told about Nelson Nash right after he retired from this earth uh, a couple of years ago. He he knew that you know he had reached the end of his life, so he was making phone calls to family members asking them, this is the godfather of infinite banking, right? So all of his kids have life insurance policies. Um, yeah. They have IBC policies. So he says, hey, how much in outstanding loans do you have right now? You know, one of the family members was kind of embarrassed and, and was like, oh, I got like half a million in an outstanding loan. And Nelson said, good. Prepare for a windfall. There you go. So you can keep that stuff in mind too. And what, a, what an awesome thing to be able to do, like leave a windfall for your heirs. Income tax-free too. Income tax-free. You know, this, this reminds me in that 64-minute conversation I had with a bunch of folks um, earlier was always go back to Nelson. Always go back to the book, Becoming Your Own Banker. You can't just read it once. It takes, and he says this, in order to really grasp the essence of IBC, this book is going to take several thorough readings, not, you know, haphazard. You can't be distracted. You really get a, and I still, I, I mean, Dave, I carry it in my backpack every day in the Metro and I'll pick it up and just, you know, pick a couple pages just to reread. And yeah, and I'm still picking stuff up. And I've read that book like six times, seven times, and I still pick stuff up. So always go back to the source for that, for that clear understanding of what Nelson was talking about. Yeah. And not just reading, I would caveat that with, you need to be having conversations about it because oh, no somebody else is going to pick up something that you didn't and vice versa. Absolutely. Like just before, when we were talking, before we hit record on this, you were reading something out of Nelson's book. And I was like, what page is that on? And then I was like, you know what? That has never stood out to me before until you said that. So yeah, it, it's ongoing. So I think that's a pretty good hack at that question. Uh, yeah. So, you know, another thing we wanted to talk to or talk about today has a lot to do with this book, um, as everything we talk about does. 
But if, if anybody has read uh, Becoming Your Own Banker, don't skip over the introduction. Like that's usually you're like, ah, okay. The intro, the acknowledgements. Okay. Where's chapter one? It's one of the most important parts of the book. Oh my gosh. If you skip over the introduction on page three, it's only one and a half pages, less than one and a half pages. You've skipped over the entire purpose of the book, right? Which Nelson lays it out right here. This book is not about investments of any kind. It is about how one finances the things of life. So that kind of brings us to another topic we wanted to get to today is we, we call it compared to what? And why do we call it that, Paul? Well, so when you get someone who is new to infinite banking, they just heard of it, and maybe they've, they've watched some YouTube videos, and I don't know what they've watched. They haven't watched James or Ryan or, or some of other, our other colleagues or friends, right, uh, or our stuff, um, or they've just heard about it from somebody who doesn't know. So they, they come in with kind of a, a misunderstanding of, of what it is. They think IBC is a product first and foremost, I think, right? It, and it's yep. not folks, you know, it, IBC is a process, right? Banking is a process, the flow of money, the movement of money, movement of capital. But they always want to know like, hey, uh, like, and I'm not trying to be. <laughs> this is uh, this is Paul's, uh, yeah. Uh, we, we, we all know what that voice means, go with yeah. it. You know, hey, you know, what's the internal rate of return of these policies, like what or or whatever, and and of course, you know, I want to answer the question honestly, and we'll, we'll compare. What are we trying to compare it to? Compared to what? Compared to what? Compared to any other liquid asset, like a savings account or a money market or something like that, that's guaranteed by the FDIC. You can meet one percent of its obligation or less um, at the moment. Or, or are we trying to compare it against your brokerage account where we've been in the bull market and you've earned 20%, you know, in the last, you know, 40 months yeah. or something. So that's a very important thing is to do an apples to apples comparison. That's what compared to what means. Yeah. And apples to apples is not whole life insurance versus my stock market portfolio. Cause one, um, if you're going to compare rates of return, well, we can't stop there. We need to compare everything. What about risk, risk of capital, risk of loss, um, you know, probability of loss. That's what, that's what risk is, right? Yep. So what's the probability of loss in the market versus insurance? Um, is there, will you get a tax-free payout that's multiple times of the amount that you put in when you die? If your money's in the market, right? Yeah, you know, so we can go on and on and on about how you cannot compare these two things. Uh, certainly not on one single item, because you'd have to you'd have to include everything about them. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. It's usually the sophisticated investor type who who has never done anything except chase a high rate of return. Because frankly, that's all we're told to do. It really is. No. It's yeah, that's it. And Nelson addresses this in becoming your own banker. He's like, get together with your you know group of friends, and I can guarantee you they're going to talk about the rate of return that they're getting on the ten percent of the money that they save. Right. That's such an important line in that book, and I paraphrased it just from from memory, but it's such yeah. an important piece of that book because what he's trying to teach you to do is you could be earning the same amount of, you know, whatever the return is that you're getting on a higher percentage of the money that you're saving, right? So it could be instead of 10%, you could be, it could be 25 or 30 or 35% because you're spending 34 and a half cents 
to interest to someone else's bank for your entire life, right? Anyway, exactly. I'm kind of getting off yeah, topic, so, but yeah, let's not discount it. When people talk about that, it's like what they're really stating is that all the money that I don't have invested has no value whatsoever, right? Because I'm not worried about that money working for me. I'm not worried about how much I'm losing to taxes and and you know depreciating liabilities and everything else. All I'm focusing on is that 10%, which is probably pretty accurate, right? A, a good saver, a good investor, uh, average American investor who's doing a good job is probably putting in 10%. Sure. At the time of the writing of the book, it was five and he doubled it just for, just because he said, you know, whatever he said in the book, but he said, yeah, I'm going to make a 10% just even, but know that the problem is like twice as bad as this. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I, I used a good investor and average in the same sentence. That's incorrect. Probably the average American investor is probably investing maybe nothing. I don't know, 5% less of their income. Um, I think we learned but, in 2020, like if people couldn't survive longer, you know, than a month without a, without a, you know, a check from the government, um, how many people were in that category? I, I have no idea, but I, it yeah. apparently it was a lot. Yeah. yeah. And some very high earners even. Yep. So there's a lot of high earners who from the outside looking in, you're like, well, they're very well off and they couldn't survive more than a month or two. I think this compared to what mindset, Dave, I think it leads back to the, it's a this or that strategy. They think they can right. only do one or the other or partially one or the other, right? They don't realize that all we're saying here is that in most cases, this should be the first stop for your money before it goes into your brokerage account to go buy Tesla stock or before it goes to your annual IRA contribution or before it goes to your to your annual tithe to the church or to your favorite charity or whatever, it should stop here first. And I had this conversation with a client who's who is a tither and who also paid cash for a hundred thousand dollar tuition payment in in England for a graduate wow. degree for his, one of his kids. And I was like, hey, wow, that should have been premium first. He's like, <laughs> I know that now. <laughs> I know that. I can't get it back. Yeah. Well, so okay. So Paul, if we can't compare it to stock market investments or anything else that's chasing a high return, what can we compare this to? I, I would just compare it to like a savings account. I think that's yeah. the, the fairest comparison, even though he, oh, I'm going to get sidetracked here, but I had a, I had a client talk about this, um, reading, um, was it the case for IBC? What was he reading? I can't remember what, what, where it talks about how you're kind of a, as a, as a depositor in a bank, you're kind of an unsecured depositor, meaning there's no going to be any bailouts with, with Dodd-Frank that was passed in whatever, 2012 or whenever it was, you know, there's going to be bail-ins where the, where the depositors are now going to, you know, right. back up the bank. I can't remember what the heck book that was in. Yeah. I, I, I think the books were written prior to that. No, maybe not. Case Tribe yeah. BC wasn't, but Probably, anyway, it was, yeah. One of the books that we recommend to read um, addressed that and and it really stuck with the guy who's like, I had no idea that any of this was going on. I was like, oh man, you should read The Creature yeah. of Jekyll Island or use right. one's book or something and, and just then you'll really be angry. Yeah. So to, to bring us back and I see your point there to get back on track, what you're, we're comparing this to a bank, like a savings account, right? Yep. 
Um, so some of the questions, um, it's kind of like a savings account. Do you save and store money there? Yes, to both, you know, savings account and your, your whole life policy, yes. Uh, does your money earn interest while it sits there? Yes. Uh, is the amount of interest drastically different from one to the other? Absolutely. Sure. Got a lot more in whole life. Uh, is it liquid? Yes. Uh, is it being leveraged? Yes. But there's a huge difference on that one. Not by you. <laughs> Not by you. Who's leveraging that money? Because yeah. banking is a process and banking is going to continue whether you're the one controlling that money or somebody else is. Somebody is banking with your money. That's right. So you, So is your money being leveraged? Absolutely it is when it's in the bank, but you don't get to reap any of those rewards. That's right. When it's in your whole life policy, you're the one that gets to leverage it. Um, is it protected from loss? Uh, yes, but there's different levels of protection. And for, for my money, uh, mutual life insurance companies are a much better protection from loss than the FDIC, which yep. you, you yep. already mentioned. So, yeah. and why is that? Like life insurance companies don't inflate currency, right? They can't create money out of nothing like commercial banks that have to you know, belong to the federal reserve system. So when you deposit a thousand dollars in the bank, guess how much they can lend out. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 10 times that. Right. They yeah. Give a thousand on reserve and they loan out, you know, another nine or 10 or whatever. Did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it eventually would become that after Correct. it goes Multiple to another iterations. bank and another bank and another bank. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, it's crazy. They, they walk through that in the course. And I think in the, in one of the books as well, they've, they kind of, they, well, how privatized banking that's really it. works. That's, that's, that's the it. book that you need to read. Yep. Um, that's a great read. It, it discusses fractional reserve banking and, and, um, and all of that. So, uh, it's eye opening. So, yeah. So the whole comparison debate is first you got to, you got to define what you're comparing, right? And you know, some people, some people just can't let that go, though. And you know, if that's the case, the IBC is is caught, not taught. Yep. I can't teach you to not compare this to getting a high rate of return somewhere else. Um, you got to educate yourself if you're into that kind of thing, um, or be willing to look at, at things through a different sight picture than you're used to. Yeah, it's going to take some. It, it takes a lot of. Well, you know. People catch it in different ways, I suppose. The different attributes appeal to different people in different ways. Um, all of it appealed to me right off the bat. One book, uh, which I was thankful for. I know you were you were thankful for. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, got me started. Yeah, but yeah, but I think um, you know this comes up too, Dave. Is once they find out, once they read the books, and they do understand, like, hey, Paul, why isn't everyone doing this? And we yeah. kind of addressed that in the last uh, last couple episodes, but um, it's because we're you know we're fighting an uphill battle really against against Wall Street against the government. Pick pick one, both. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, once you once you understand it and you start utilizing it, there's I mean the the opportunities are endless. I'll just give one example and then we'll we'll probably wrap it up here. Uh, this week, I had a, a good friend who lives near me. Um, He's got a lot of money in illiquid places. Uh, oh yeah, in precious metals and in crypto. Um, he's in need of some money right now, some cash, some some cold hard liquid cash. Uh, so we put a deal together where he sold me some silver. I'm holding it. I gave him a loan, and you know, kind of like uh, really, I'm just holding it. 
it's it, it's a loan. You're um, almost like I'm the collater- old goldsmiths of the olden days. What's well, like original banking? Yeah, like yeah. you're not going to carry around all this heavy gold no. and silver. So I'm going to go give it to somebody. You gave and him some worthless me- paper called Federal Reserve <laughs> notes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> But, you know, and then we created the contract. I mean, it was a handshake deal because we both, we, we trust each other. We understand each sure. other, but we backed it up by paper because what if, what if I die? Yeah. Uh, my heirs need to know, Hey, sure. who owes me money and, and, and whose silver is this that I need to give back at right. the prearranged That's a price. lot of silver. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where if I didn't have liquid capital or access to capital, there's no way one, I I'm making money off of this deal. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not doing it just out of the goodness of my heart. Like my money has a price and it, it, there's opportunity cost there. Like if I'm using my money for this, I can't use it for something else. That's right. So of course I'm making money off this, but he's happy to, to pay me those terms. And it's an agreement where, you know, I'm going to sell it back to him at a certain price in the future. Even if silver shoots through the roof, I'm not going to sell it back to him at spot. It's going to be at a price we already determined where I'll make a little bit of money, um, but he gets to keep all the upside. Yeah. You've met his need and he's meeting a need for you. So, yeah. And I'm doing a good thing, right? Like he gets to move into a new house um, and put the down payment, you know, down and all all that stuff. So it's, it's a win-win for everybody. I'm happy to do it. And it's just those kind of opportunities that, that really open up when, when you understand the banking process. That's when right. you get educated. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Well, cool. Hey, that was good. I think we'll start next week with another question. So if anybody's got one that's just burning that we haven't answered already in, in all of these episodes, go back and listen to, to the episodes uh, if you haven't, but we're happy to answer any questions and, and really help people understand this stuff. Um, Cause that's what it's all about. You got to understand it before you can actually utilize it and, uh, and believe in it. Oh, for sure. Well, all right, buddy. Enjoy the Hellcat. Go uh, tear up the tires and just got new tires uh, you, put on you it. Just man. got new. T- Would you get street tires like the yeah. slicks or something? No, they're not. No, they're they're just an all season tire. The uh, the ones that were on it were a a streetable track tire, and they're just they're loud and they're they have a, a certain type of compound that really needs to be hot to to work properly, and it, it just just super annoying. So I'm going to try to sell them on Facebook Marketplace. So anyone needs a 305, 35, 20. Um, give me a call if you're in yeah. Northern Virginia, obviously. <laughs> yeah. He'll ship them for free. He'll ship them for free. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Sounds good. Hey, we'll see you next week, bud. See you, buddy. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at the IBCguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.